Pedalville Parks is a team of four city-dwelling, environmentally aware friends. In 2021, COVID allowing, our team was set off on a world's first self-supported bikepacking eco-adventure. We will be cycling across both land on regular bikes and sea using water bikes, covering over 1,000 miles, starting from the Orkney Islands and finishing on the Isles of Scilly. This will take us roughly two weeks and we will be cycling twice the height of Everest. We will pass through many of the UK's stunning national parks along the way. During our journey, we will be interviewing a diverse range of people to understand how human interferences impacting these green spaces and national parks and exploring what that means for everyone's future physical and mental health. So on each episode, we'll have someone very different and someone very interesting to interview. So without further ado, let's dig into the next episode. Welcome to Mind the Green Space, the podcast where we talk about how our mental health and how green spaces around the UK have been benefited by our love of adventure. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas, and I am part of the PR and media team of Pedal for Parks, the project you just heard about. Hey everyone, so this week I'm joined with two of the most interesting people I think I've met. I met Kev and Gav, who are actually our film crew for our Blokes and Spokes film. That'll be coming out when we do our cycle, if you didn't know that. Um, so yeah, they're really interesting, so I had to have them on the podcast. So guys, you'd like to introduce yourselves? Hi, yeah, yeah. so I'm Kev Merry. Um, I'm a filmmaker um, and I just spend most of my time really chasing cyclists and, um, I don't know, anyone kind of in the adventure world, endurance cyclists and um, things like that, um, chasing them around with cameras. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much me, really. Um, got a big beard and uh, short hair. <laughs> uh, my name's Gavin Caps. I run an adventure photography company called Osprey Imagery. Um, I've worked with Kev uh, previously. We're both sort of in the same lot of industry. I focus probably a fair bit more on photography, but we both do photography and film, so we, we kind of work together a lot on uh, various projects. But similar sort of uh, thing, yeah, like adventure, expedition, photography, and filmmaking, uh, which was sort of born from uh, working in the corporate world for many years and dreaming of something else and uh yeah it was sort of like a um a, a, a reason to get out of that essentially and start doing some something that was a bit more interesting yeah i was just about to ask um how you guys kind of got into videography and especially like adventure videography if that's what you would call it <laughs> um i mean I've, I've always been sort of in I've, I've always liked photography you know um even before kind of like being able to take photos with your phone, you know, I used to, I've always used to carry a camera around with me on holidays and stuff like that. And I've always kind of looked quite like documenting stuff. Um, and I've always been into like adventure things as well. You know, I've, I've backpacked um, in Blimey in 99 for about a year and a half. Um, and I've sort of worked in a few different countries like Denmark and Sweden um, back in the mid nineties. So I've, I've kind of, always kind of had the itchy feet and kind of been into the sort of adventure stuff like that and then I think it was only really when 
things like GoPros um, uh, and, and stuff like that kind of came about and it was a lot easier to to sort of make your own, film your own stuff, you know, hiking trips and things like that. That's when I started to get into it, which was probably like seven or eight years ago. And it just developed from that, really, uh, making little films, putting them on YouTube. And then just one thing led to another, really. And then I met Gav on kind of one of my first shoots, really, which was nearly four years ago now, um, kind of in the first year I was doing Skyrise Productions. Um, and we hooked up on a, on a film trip in the Lake District. Um, so me and Gavin worked loads since then. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into it really. Just just from just from liking being in the outdoors and sort of you know taking pictures and films really. Yeah, that's awesome. They always say you never work a day in your life you enjoy what you're doing, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you'd agree with that now that you're doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, it can it can be like the editing side of it can. You know, the 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 more fun side of it is obviously going out, going out in the field, so to speak, um, like what we've done with um, Isaac and the blokes on Spoke stuff. You know, it's, it's good fun being out um, in sort of uh, lovely wild places. But then, you know, when you when you get back in indoors and you've got to sort through all the footage and then you know um, the editing side, it's still it's, you know what once the once the editing side of it's kind of getting near, near towards the end and you're seeing like the end product kind of developing and you can see that see your work's kind of like starting to come to fruition and it's quite nice but yeah there, there is times where you just sort of bang your head against the wall <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah it's good I, I don't I, I love it I do love it what about you Gav how did you get into filmmaking I actually studied broadcast at university um and when I graduated from uni I worked in tv um briefly really like a few sort of freelance projects I was working on a, an old program that I don't know whether uh, I might sound a bit old here but it was called Skins um that was it was a big program on Channel 4 I worked for them for a bit but it was like contract no way. yeah um and I um I had bills to pay and the sort of freelancing uh, sort of model wasn't really working at the time and I slid into um, the sort of corporate world like like I mentioned earlier um, and uh, yeah it just I, I did that for a number of years and then I was looking for a way of getting out of that um, and and obviously having previously qualified in broadcast and knew my way around cameras and things and was really into sort of outdoors stuff I went to um, essentially what was like a life coaching workshop weekend and it was all based around how to make your life what you what you want it to be and we went through sort of how much money you need um, the kind of things that you're interested in and built a sort of um, a, a model essentially to action over a couple of years to get it's kind of what you want and, and the result of that was investing in the equipment that I would need to do the camera stuff and get kind of skilled in what I needed to and get rid of my house and move into the van and it, all, it kind of all took a couple of years to sort of put in place and then as soon as that did happen I kind of had the chance um, there was somebody that I'd met previously that put us in touch with Kev who was, he was looking for a drone photographer and that was what I'd got into um, initially um, yeah and it just kind of went from there really so it was trained in it for a while and then went into the corporate world for years and then um, managed to find a way out essentially <laughs> that's so cool 
Um, I was going to say, do you want to tell us a little bit about your company? So, Kev, you do, yours is called Skyrise Productions, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, Gav, your Osprey imagery. Yeah. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about, like, what you do? Kind of, like, sell yourself, you know? We have listeners out there that want you on your... <laughs> so, I mean, as I kind of sort of briefly mentioned, uh, Skyrise is just... I've based it around, you know, the adventure stuff because that's what I've always loved. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I sort of focus on um, filming anything from from ultra cycling, endurance races, to to wild swimming films, um, trail running films, hiking, wild camping, um, anything like that, really. Um, and it's just something that's kind of developed from a love of of the outdoors into just, you know, um, working with people, like like-minded people. I think that's how I tried to sort of focus it on. And that's the really sort of fun part of it is that I'm lucky enough that I can sort of pick and choose, you know, the, the sort of subject or the person or, you know, or the kind of, or, or the field of, of um, what I want to, what I want to film in, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's that it's based around that, um, and you know I've got my drone license, so you know I'll either be flying a drone or, or um, camera operating, um, and then I'm starting to kind of like appear in some of my films now, where because I'm working with, I've, I've always been quite a keen cyclist, um, and I'm starting to work with quite a few cycling brands, um, and some of the brands that I'm working with, they're actually. I'm actually kind of doing like I was self-filming, um, uh, you know, short short film showcasing their brand in, in places like the Lake District in Scotland, or or I'll get someone like Gav, or I know a few other camera operators that will come along and, and sort of film me cycling. Um, so it's, you know, yeah, it's it's a, it's a variety of stuff, but it's based around um, yeah, sort of filming endurance and, and adventure sports and etc. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? Well, yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, I've um, run a company called Osprey Imagery and essentially um, telling stories, adventure stories, um, either in sort of races, people who are trying to uh, break world records, um, and th but then a lot working a lot with brands as well to sort of deliver the messages that that they're looking for to, to attach to either adventure or sustainability and what have you. So I work with journalists and writers as well to do sort of more comprehensive packages where we can deliver written and visual content, so pictures and video uh, as well, and Instagram stories and um, sort of more bespoke packages that cover a number of bases which we're doing uh, really well with at the moment and it means that you're kind of hooking up with people that you work with quite regularly obviously to uh, uh, yeah to go away and have, and have these experiences which at the end of the day is why why I got into it in the first place but yeah I think in a nutshell it's just um, telling stories on behalf of people um, brands organizations yeah that's 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 such a niche thing to get into I think like I I didn't know that adventure videographers and photographers was like a thing I thought it'd just be like photographers that I don't know 
I've never really thought about it before, but it's really interesting. Now that I'm doing the podcast, I'm seeing all these different jobs and I'm just about to come out of uni and I'm thinking like, oh, what would I like to go into? And I really yeah. like the thought of like doing adventure and stuff because I well, do a media degree anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, and I think like the broad spectrum, but like doing like sports beyond stuff is what I want to do. But now I'm seeing all this other stuff, the other side of sport, like it, for me, it was just like football and rowing and stuff. And I've got like people that are like running the length of Russia or something. It's like, oh, actually, that sounds really interesting. I wouldn't mind doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think that obviously on, on what you're saying there, it's one of the big inspirations for me was a, a workshop that I went on to when I was still working in my sort of normal job. Um, and it was like an expedition leadership workshop, like a, um, an introduction to, essentially. Um, and it, it was like with a bunch of... I think it was 12 or 15 of us there and I had no idea what I wanted to do it was just really sort of dipping my toe in just to sort of see I knew that was into like outdoor stuff and I'd sat in a room in a circle with a bunch of people and we had to say like what our ideas were and what our, <laughs> um, what these um, expeditions and stuff we were working on um, and like yeah I'd, I'd, I was really really nervous because I didn't really have like much of an idea myself but now as it went around the circle of the different people the things that they were coming out with, I was just absolutely in awe, just like, well, that's a job. Like, you can do that. That's like, <laughs> you're planning on doing this, yeah. And it was all sorts of stuff to do with uh, geology and obviously leading expeditions, people trying to take um, camera crews into rem- remote areas and like overlanding vehicles and stuff like that. And it's just like, it it's such a, I think like it's, for me, it was kind of like a pivotal time, um, like, just seeing what other people are doing and, and just sort of gleaning these ideas and like just in those conversations when you're with those people as well you you're saying oh, I'd really like to do this and like their response is like why don't you then like that's uh, you know like it, it would it see like and it was just to me it was just like there's these people who just see it so sort of matter of fact it's just like there's that thing that you really want to do so why are you not doing it yeah and uh yeah it was just just so just obviously with what you were saying like all of these different people that you'd meet that are doing different things that you just had no idea about it's like the, the biggest inspiration for, for sort of change um but then you always meet another one and you're like oh well, actually yeah oh, i want to do that now <laughs> yeah <laughs> um we're gonna get really into nitty-gritty now because i want to do this podcast because of um I- where you actually filmed in the Lake District recently and I met Kevin Gav and we were kind of just um, sat around in the night after he'd filmed all day and we were just talking around and then all of a sudden Kevin Gav just started telling these stories and you're sitting there like what in the hell so I really want to aim the podcast for you for our listeners to be like oh my god who are these people so we'll start with the first question it's going to be quite an easy one to get you into it but what was your first adventures if or you would consider an adventure anyway so do you mean for, 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 for Skyrise or just in general? In general, really, yeah, we'll go in general. Um, uh, do you know what? I, it's, it's kind of, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been, like I mentioned, I've been, I went backpacking, which was amazing, you know? Um, so that was kind of like my first real big adventure, um, just going off, you know, just on my own with backpack on, I went to, Thailand for a couple of months, Australia for a year, New Zealand for a year, and I did things like I hitchhiked the length of um, both New, the North and South Islands in New Zealand, which was pretty cool. Um, but I think going back like a lot further than that, um, when I was a kid, 
um, we went with my parents, we, we drove up to the Highlands of Scotland um, and stayed in this kind of like chalet hut thing right near, it was on the coast, like northwest coast. I was only about eight years old. So that's one of the kind of first holidays I can remember going on. Um, and we went through, I can remember a couple of days where we hiked up through these glens and stuff like that. You know, when, you, when you're that age, you don't really know much about the place you're in or, you yeah. know, you're kind of quite sort of naive, naive to the whole thing. Well, I just I can just remember being amazed that I can I can I, I can actually remember like the purple heather and, and and you know the waterfalls and stuff like that and and I think that was like the first time I experienced kind of like an adventurous type thing you know and I think that stuck with me that memory of, of the highlands and the mountains you know yeah um, so yeah I think that was my first very early sort of memory yeah I'd love to go to the highlands I'm actually me and my boyfriend right now are planning and doing like a Scotland road trip because I've never We've always kind of been people that go away all the time, but now that we're in the pandemic, we're kind of thinking, oh, we need to close it to home. So I started, go I think I Googled, it was like Scotland's version of like Route 66. So you go around like all the highlands and all the top. Yeah, and then you're just looking you're like that. We I live like a six hour drive away from that. Why haven't I been already? And I think so that that is definitely on my bucket list for this year, going up around Scotland and seeing everything. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Gav? Yeah, um, I, I was similar to to, uh, to Kev, really. I, was, I suppose it's talking about first adventures. It's like, how far back do you go and what do you class as as an adventure, essentially? Um, the, I mean, the very first thing in, in my mind was um, being up on... Uh, I went for a walk with my granddad on the North York Moors, and uh, he was telling me the story uh, based on an old poem called The Song of Hiawatha. Um, and it's this sort of epic story about this heroic uh, person. And I was the center of the story, so I was Hiawatha. And uh, I don't think that we walked really very far at all, but to me, it felt like we were discovering new territories. And <laughs> um, yeah, I just, and kind of like sharing this moment um, Obviously, with my granddad, it's something that I remember a lot, and I th and yeah, it's I think that's the first sort of thing that where I really sort of felt a, a sense of adventure. Um, and then I, I was kind of like lucky growing older to have you know, my mum always took us on days out to rivers and things like that, where you could just be off exploring and building dams in the water and stuff like that. And where we went, uh, you know, in our teenage years, we went karting, and it was they were quite often on old airfields um and so when it came to like the finish of practice day or race day or whatever uh, we'd be like exploring the old um like control towers and things like that and like abandoned buildings on these old airfields and things um which i'm still sort of really into like urbex and like abandoned buildings sort of sort of stuff and it, yeah i mean it's just sort of yeah got, gone from there it depends what you sort of um classes and adventure probably the first sort of like potentially daft um thing that I did <laughs> when I, I was working um in in sales at the time and I'd got into skiing but couldn't afford to go skiing like uh, uh in the normal way with you know getting your chalet and, and what have you um and so I, just, I jumped on a um a plane to Geneva and just found a bus that went to a place that I didn't uh I'd never heard of before and found a place that had a locker where I could keep um, 
my hiking stuff in and I hired some skis. And so I, I skied during the day and then skied down to these lockers and then swapped over to, to my hiking gear and crampons on my boots and a big bag with all of my camping stuff in and went off up the hill and then camped on the night. But it was like minus, some, I think the coldest was about minus 15 or something like that. Oh my God. Like, I think that that's probably, I think that was at about not that particularly young maybe 26 27 or something like that before i had sort of like a really um like extreme sort of experience with adventure and before that it was just sort of like a build-up over from you know from being high water when i was maybe four or five. Yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna call you that now Kev. yeah i'm happy, I'm happy about that that's great call me that. <laughs> Also, I think I forgot to introduce, I'm actually with Isaac. I kind of just assume that people know I'm with Isaac. He's kind of turned into my co-host now. So Isaac, if you want to say hi, because you've been really quiet all podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know, four in, a, four in a room might be too much, right? So I'll get myself quite <laughs> hi, hi, everybody. I'm, I'm enjoying listening just as much as you all are. <laughs> um, we'll go on to another one now. We're getting really into it. What would you consider your most dangerous adventure that you've been on? Um, most dangerous adventure? Um, I've done quite, quite a few silly things. <laughs> <laughs> um, Without incriminating yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've done. I've, I've done quite a, a bit of climbing. No, not rope, not rope stuff, but just kind of. Um, you know, I, I suppose you can class it as, as kind of mountain climbing. Now I've climbed quite a lot of mountains, mainly in the UK, um, and I've climbed a few. There's there's Trifan in in North Wales, which um, is is a sort of quite a common um, place to climb. And there's a, there's the north face of Trifan, which is like the hardest hard part of it to go up. And a few years back, me and um, my buddy Chris climbed up that, and it was like really bad weather. We kind of, yeah, there was some sort of quite hairy moments there, you know, where we kind of got to this pinch point and the only way to kind of go up, to, to carry on was to kind of go up this kind of like 10, 15 foot sort of sheer face. Um, and that, quite a few people have died climbing up that bit. And um, yeah, that was like one of those moments where you're just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of inches away from like dying here. <laughs> um, so I've had a few kind of moments like that, but then, I don't know, like, yeah, it, it, when I went uh, to Australia, when I, was, I kind of lived in Australia for a year and backpacked around, and one of the reasons I went to Australia, wanted to go to Australia, was to learn to surf. Um, I, I, I've always been interested in surfing when I was a kid. I used to kind of, you now living in Essex, there's not many, much surf down here, but yeah. for some reason, I've always been interested in it. Um, and when I was in Australia, I kind of, I lived in Sydney for three or four months before I sort of went around the rest of the country. Um, and I lived near a beach called Manly Beach. Um, and, you know, obviously Australia, there's Pacific, there's loads of surf all the time. And yeah, basically I just kind of learned to surf, but there was a, there was a storm out at sea um, at one point. Um, and this huge swell, this like big ground swell came in. Um, and the next day there was like these kind of 10, 15 foot waves rolling in, like huge waves. And like stupidly, I went in and <laughs> tried to give it a go. Um, and I was kind of right, I surfed a couple of the waves and then there was the sort of last wave that I surfed. I just I just 
dropped off the wave too late and I literally just like I free fell like about 15 foot to the pit of this wave and then I looked back and the whole thing just crashed on top of me and I just kind of I went under and I got pinned to the ground for, I don't know, it seemed like ages. I was like, I was literally oh on, the, on the sea beds just bumping along and then it just kind of spat me out and I just, I just landed, I was just on the beach like a sort of all sat <laughs> in the trunks, just looked like some idiot, you know. So that was quite stupid because I think I was, I was literally out of my depth there. Um, so yeah, I, I could go on, I've done quite a, quite a lot of stupid stuff like that over the years, dangerous stuff. But, um, yeah, I never learned. <laughs> You've got stories to tell now, though. Stories to tell people. So, you know, as long as you make it alive, it's going to laugh at you, can't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose it's all, it's all good stories. Have you got any? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think probably the, the one that I've just mentioned about sort of camping on my own in the Alps and really not having any idea what I was doing while I was doing it was probably the most dangerous thing when you balance it against what you're doing to sort of mitigate the risks so there are, yeah. there are more i've done more dangerous things since um i've worked on um uh, like an expedition through the sahara desert on the old Paris dakar route um where we were in really really remote environments in incredible heat um and i would say that that probably is the most sort of dangerous situation that I've been in um, but you're working with a team of people who where you know the risk assessments have been done you've got medics um, you've, you've got the right amount of supplies so that if you're stranded for a number of days you've got satellite phones so like it's more dangerous but you sort of mitigate the, the danger um, yeah so yeah I think that um it, and and now as well, sort of as you get older, you, you you do less of the daft things. And when someone comes up with a with an idea that you might have done previously, you do ask those questions about you know you you want to know that what you're doing is actually uh, safe and there is that some planning because you are going into some pretty remote environments. I worked on a thing um, in 2019 with Kev in Peru, for instance, and the, it, the environment that we were in there was just so unbelievably remote right in the mountains and it's sheer drops off the side of the tracks and things and you're, you're uh, driving for uh, you know days at a time um you you need to know that the communications are in place and what have you between the different teams and, you, and that there are people people nearby who've got tracking systems and things to um you know in different ways of sort of calling sos and things like that so yeah um, yeah i mean the, the, generally the 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 amount of danger as, as it goes up it's met with mitigation so it's hard to say actually what's the most dangerous yeah um another question it's kind of like the same but have you ever had like a job offer like come through with like filming and you've kind of just looked at what it is like where it is what they're going to do and thought like shit how how are we going to do this and it's like the most wild adventure that they've come through what what would be a stand-up one like that for you guys if you're allowed to say, I don't know if uh, that's bad for business or. <laughs> I think. Oh, go on, go. Um, yeah, I, I was approached to cover um, the, uh, before this race that Kevin and I had covered in Peru. I was approached to to cover like an expedition um, of two guys on bikes to um, to to 
ride a route right across the Andes uh, or the Peruvian Andes on the uh, a route that um, the Incas used to use. It was like an old Inca sort of network of, of roads. And it was all sort of like last minute before it came in. It's just like, right, we've got some, some budget. And this brand has said that they can pay for the filmmaking. And, um, and it, it was sort of like a real sort of crunch moment. You're thinking like, this is like the adventure of a lifetime that I can go on here but I don't actually have time to get everything organized to make sure that it's all going to be safe. And, and like, it's like that sort of moment, like after you make the decision that you're going to do it, um, is actually sort of like a really stressful sort of time. And like, no, like, you know, work, tr just trying to make sure that everything's going to be right, you know, when you, when you, when you go to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that ended up sort of in the last, it, it could, you, I had about two days or something to prepare for it and obviously you're taking a lot of equipment and, and what have you um yeah and we got there and it all went fine uh, luckily touch wood like it, it always sort of has um but yeah I mean that's that's probably uh yeah the best example I can give that's, yeah <laughs> there's a big one you like the Andes like took what a couple of days to prepare you're like so you're already pushed into like this situation and then you're like I don't actually have time to prepare for it so yeah, at least you went for it as well those those things like I, I, I was aware that obviously when when we arrive in Cusco before the actual um expedition started you need time to acclimatize and there wasn't really enough time to to do that uh, I was really ill when I got there because of the elevation that we were starting from um and yeah it's just uh, and like you, you know you sort of laid there in the hotel room being sick and just counting down the hours to when you've actually got to pick up the camera and start filming and you're like is this am I going to acclimatize in time and it's just um, yeah it, like in an ideal world you've got all of the you know all of the time that you need to prepare and the time to get set up when you get there in uh, reality it doesn't always happen like that yeah <laughs> i think it's good to mention um one thing out of what you do as a job is you are filming but you are also adventuring at the same time yeah so you have to also think of the expedition the risks everything as much as the individual who's doing it some people might have a lower risk tolerance have a lot of money and just say let's do it and hasn't really thought of the safety stuff. So you've got to take in on that and board and be like, well, you know, have you covered this? Have you covered that? But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that that goes into your decisions, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. Yeah, so, some, you know, so a lot of the stuff we do, um, um, especially some of the stuff that Gab and I have done, we've kind of organized, it's kind of been our gig, you know? So we, we, we've, we've reached out to a brand and said we can offer you know, we can offer you um, some foot, some content, film and, and images, etc. So we've 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 done stuff together um, like that, Gab and I, where you know it's it's up to us to kind of sort that. You know, we're 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 kind of doing doing the thing, and we need to kind of be aware that there's no one else there <laughs> to kind of you know step in if things go wrong. I mean, you know, um, so yeah, I mean it's they're all different they're all different i mean for instance the the, the sean conway one we did um, where we filmed uh, obviously listeners some of the listeners might know um, we've done it but we gavin and i filmed 
uh, um, Sean Conway who's an endurance cyclist and he cycled from um, the right, right the way across Europe, it was four and a half thousand miles um, to, to break the sort of um, endurance cycling records and it was, it was an amazing trip, you know, 24 days, um, we was on the road filming, um, an incredible trip but with, with that one it was really just organised between me, you know, um, Sean approached Gavin and I to, to do this and there was a lot of organisation to a point um, but then because it wasn't officially um, like an organised event, like Gav was just on about the, um, the, the, the endurance cycling races, which um, were an organised event, you know? So there was, there was, like I said, there was like safety cars and there was, there was this and that, and there was quite a few things set in place, even though we were in a dangerous situation, you know, like Gav said, we were, we were following these cyclists around these tracks up in the Andes and there was, there was, you know, we were going through these canyons and like in Peru, there's just like no health and safety, like virtually, you know, it's just, you have to be so careful, but there was stuff in place. Whereas when um, we did the, the Sean stuff, it was basically just me and Gav following, me and Gav were in, were in the, the camper van and we followed Sean and, and there was no one else there, you know? And at, quite, at times we were in quite a lot, quite remote areas, you know, like the middle of Russia and stuff like that. and. If things that have gone wrong, it was kind of, you know, we, we had insurances and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you've got no backup, you know. There's, like, if there, if there had been an accident, it could have been ages before, you know, it's emergency services, especially in places like Russia, you know. Got to. <laughs> so you do, you do, with that, you, sometimes you do just have to kind of go out on a whim and just think, right, okay, you know, um, it'll all be fine. You know, you, we're, we're not... You know, we're, we're sensible um, and you don't take too many risks. Sometimes, you know, if you want to get that shot, you might climb up a hill quickly so you can get a long shot of the cyclist going past or something like that and scrabbling over rocks. And sometimes you do things without thinking too much. But there's always, it's always in the back of the minds, you know, that you've, you've, got to be, you've got to be careful. But, yeah, yeah, they're, they're all different. All the jobs are different, you know. Um, but, yeah, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, <laughs> You just mentioned like so many different places. I assume like when you're doing this stuff and you're literally in just, you're driving around Europe in a van, just on your own and you're going to all these, I, I assume you're not in touristy places, you're not doing what the normal tourists are doing, you're in like these little villages. Yeah. So what would you say your favorite adventure is then when you're considering stuff like that? What's been the, what the, the, the most favorite one we've done yeah, so far? Yeah, so far. Uh, I would say probably the, the Peru one, I think just, I mean, it was the race that we, we filmed there. So we filmed several of these races um, in, in 2019 and some of them were only, were only like, um, well, only, but like a thousand kilometer races. But this one was like a 1600 kilometer race and it was a 10 day, 10 day race through the Andes. And, and just, just the country's just ridiculously stunning. You know, Gav and I were talking, funny enough, chatting about this the other day. I was just looking through some, photos or well, one of the cyclists that was in it um, posted up a, a, an image that Gav took um, and it was high we were about like nearly 5,000 meters up um, in a big national park and, and it was like right in the middle of the Andes and it's just breathtaking like unbelievable like it's, it's the most remote place that I've ever been um, so that that's that's definitely up there as one of my favorites yeah I mean some of the, saying that some of the places in the UK like some of the smaller adventures I've had um, you know, in their own way, just as good. Um, 
you know, I've done some really cool stuff in the Highlands, like remote parts of the Highlands of Scotland and things. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the Andes, I mean, that's just the, the maddest place I've ever been. It's just vast, you know. Um, yeah, yeah the, the culture's amazing as well. When was it that you went to the Andes? When? Yeah. Uh, 20, August 2019. Um, so, yeah. What about you, Gab? What, what do you think your favourite yeah, of I, all I the think, stuff you've done? I think that, you, like, just depending on kind of what I was thinking about at the time, you'd probably get a different answer every time. Um, the, the trip with Sean, where we, we filmed him cycling across Europe, is because it was sort of like the first, like, major trip. Um, that, that I'd done and the first sort of big uh, film job that I'd done uh, I kind of look back on that pretty um, fondly uh, but then if you're looking at sort of extreme environments and things that really give you like a lot to sort of think about afterwards and, and where you're pushed into like a situation where you are thinking about sort of safety and how are you going to get the shot and uh, um yeah, and in these sort of really crazy places, they're probably similar to Kev uh, working in Peru on the expedition before the race that we filmed was um, just absolutely epic going through tiny little villages, like hundreds of miles, like literally, so you could be traveling for a hundred miles on tracks and then come across a tiny village of people. And it's just like, what are you doing here? Like, how can, <laughs> how can you survive here at this place where I'm struggling to breathe because the air's so thin? Um, yeah, and uh, and then also I I, I did um, like aside from filming uh, again in 2019, I was in Thailand and I just I, I did a trip where I just got a scooter uh, myself near Chiang Mai and did a there's like a 600 650 kilometer loop called the Mei Hong Song Mei Hong Song loop, uh, which is like known to be like one of the best sort of motorbike routes. In the world and uh, it goes right up to the border of Myanmar and you can dip off the side of the road at any point and you're just in like unbelievable jungle and you know with like tribes people and stuff like that and like it wasn't a film trip or anything it was just sort of like a personal uh, little yeah. trip that I fancied doing when I was in um, Chiang Mai yeah and just finding places you know at the side of the road to sleep and whatnot um, and what little conversation you could have with these people that were living in huts and things um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many and it just depends sort of like what angle you're coming from. Is it just like the, the easiest one that was sort of like you were in a lush place or is it the one where it was the most extreme or yeah. the first one? You know, there's always a different answer. And luckily, you know, loads of things to sort of talk about and think about. And uh, The next question is kind of similar and it is, what was the most challenging adventure to film? Is that different for you guys or? Yeah, probably for me. Like for me, like the, the any sort of um, ultra race or endurance event is incredibly challenging because of the nature of it. The person who's completing the event or the race doesn't want to get any sleep, so that equates to you know if you've got to follow the person who doesn't want to get any sleep, you have to be on their schedule. But then when they go to sleep, you need to find ways to back up all of your. Uh, footage to charge your batteries um yeah there's there's like another sort of hour to maybe two hours work that goes on after they find their place to sleep and often you're following them to the place where they'll fall asleep because you want to get the footage of them you know climbing in their sleeping bag or getting in the drainage pipe under the road for shelter or 
Um, and then after that, you then got to go and find where you're going to sleep um, and, and do all of that backing up. So like anything where you've got that sort of schedule is incredibly challenging and particularly on Sean's um, world record attempt, just because of the length of it. I think it was 24 days in the end. Um, it was essentially work setting off from six in the morning, being ready to go and film at six in the morning and finish backing up footage and putting things on charge at maybe half 12 at night or one in the morning and then setting an alarm during the night to swap over the batteries in the charger so that your other one's charged um, and it's that for like 23 days sort of in a row and it's it's that it's for me it's especially when a lot of it's sort of working from vehicles the challenging thing is on the, the schedule essentially yeah. rather than kind of like how physically difficult it is yeah, the not so glamorous side of adventures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's less than a hundred hours in 28, 20 days. Yeah, yeah. It's a hundred hours sleep in 20 days. It was brutal. I think wow. we did quite well to get on so well, didn't we, given that, that neither of us like, slept the whole time. Are you sure that's yeah. not a record? Maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't get much sleep, did we? But it was, it was a massive learning curve and um, yeah, it, 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 Kevin and I were just talking about it the other day about um, uh, these jobs as well and sort of kind of like, although it's incredibly challenging, like how sort of therapeutic it is, almost um, like there's no room for anything whatsoever other than exactly what you've got to do from the moment yeah. that your arm goes off in the morning until the moment that you close your eyes and go to sleep, you're literally like, you're thinking about uh, the safety of yourself, the safety of the equipment, how are you gonna get the shot? Where do you need to be next time? What's happening with the light? Um, and it's just that literally from like the whole day and it's obviously like exhausting, but you kind of run on adrenaline while you're doing it. And then the whole process, like at the end of it, even though you're absolutely knackered, um, you've like just the, the it's like a really sort of nice feeling because you've just been so sort of like focused on the task at hand throughout the whole thing and it actually ends up being sort of really therapeutic for what we were saying it was for us anyway. Yeah. I imagine when you come back from something like that it's really hard to just go back into like a normal routine where you're like oh you don't actually have to be up for 6am to film someone all day. <laughs> uh, well that that's that's the thing like what I was talking about earlier that then when you come back as from obviously from film trips then it's like you're into the edit stuff then so it yeah. is one extreme to the other because you're then suddenly just sat in your office in front of the laptop like sorting through like hours and hours and hours of footage and you know um which you know you still I'm, you know I'm not complaining it's 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 a pretty cool thing to do but yeah it's, it's kind of a real Whereas obviously most jobs, it's kind of pretty much the same every day. But this is the, there is a real difference, you know. You're going off to these mad places, and then and then that's kind of half of it. And then the other half is it's just almost like a the flip side of the coin, you know. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, it's um, it, it's cool. Like you know, it does it does they do generate really good experiences and stories and things like that. So um, you know, it's part of the reason, obviously, why we do it. Um, but yeah, we've got there. There's been some, been some cool stuff along the way for sure. Yeah, you do get like the expedition sort of blues afterwards, which I think yeah, like 
um, not just belonging to be on the expedition that you've been on, but because you've been running on adrenaline for, for so long, essentially, like you, your body is depleted from the, you know, the, the rest that it needs and perhaps the nutrients that, that like some of the sort of diet that we've had, literally a bin bag full of dry bread buns in Peru. <laughs> and like the, the driver would be like, there you go. And like, it, you, like, it would just flake apart when you put Oh my it. God. That was, that would be it. And you'd be going into places and you could get like some dry rice with a, like a, an egg that had been fried for about 20 minutes on top of it so you're not your body's not getting what it needs and you come back from these things and and there is like a period uh afterwards where like you you it's like you you know you need to recover from it even though you might not have been doing like i say the physical side of things um you, you it takes you know probably on from something like that like the peru one probably something like a week when you're counting the, the jet lag as well and stuff to actually start feeling like a, a normal it's a decompress yeah. So how have you found the pandemic then? Because obviously you haven't been able to go to these wild places during 2020. How have you found that's affected you then? In terms um, of like, just filling up your days and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I, 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 so this time last year, obviously just before the sort of lockdown, the first lockdown came in, I, I had a, I did a, a, a film recce up in the Highlands, I'm working on this, this sort of film project. Um, I've kind of got in the pipeline and I went and I did a week's recce in this route um, right up in the um, far northwest Scotland with um, a chap called Ian Finch that um, I do quite a bit of stuff with. Um, and at, at that time, you know, we had no idea. You know, that was kind of like, I think we were like the first week in January. Yeah. Um, and I don't even think I've heard that the virus was sweeping through Europe then. It was just kind of quite early doors. And so at that time, it was like, to, to me, the, the year was just going to pan out how it should have done. You know, I had some other film trips that were supposed to happen in the, the, the following months of that. And then obviously, it all went sort of belly up. Um, and then obviously, the first lockdown was like the big lockdown, wasn't it? And, and kind of everything kind of priest pretty much stopped and no one really knew what you could do and what you couldn't do. So I didn't really do any film trips, but I had lots to do with regards to kind of, um, I don't know, tying up loose ends with my, my website and then and then sort of marketing and I kind of connected with quite, a, I, I used the time actually to sort of connect with a lot of people and, you know, um, sort of prepare trips that, that I was supposed to be doing at that time uh, for a later date and I even started up a little podcast um, from my, on my website I interviewed about seven or eight people um, but then when the lockdown eased um, and it kind of I, I had some small film trips and obviously we did the um, you know because you are you are essentially still you're still allowed to film um, yeah but then it's just it's not as easy as that obviously because it's everyone depending on who you're filming or where you're filming there's different restrictions so it has made it difficult I mean I had I, I didn't leave the country last year you know the, 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 the few short trips that I did were either in the Lake District or Scotland um, or, or North Wales um, so I did I didn't like last year didn't not do anything you know but it wasn't as busy never near as busy as it should have been but um, yeah I mean I'm just I'm just trying to kind of stay positive and you know, um, use the time as wisely as possible, but it's hard not to kind of get frustrated, you know, especially as it's going, been going on so long. But luckily enough, I've got, I've 
there's some brands that I'm working with, um, cycling brands, and I've got quite a lot on this year. Um, and some of the stuff I can actually do because it's just riding bikes and creating content and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, ha it hasn't been too bad, you know. I know it's been horrible for, for some people, um, but yeah, it's just it's just been a strange time, you know. You just have to try and adapt as best you can, really, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I was quite lucky. I had a, a um, it, after the first lockdown, uh, it, it was lifted just before quite a big job uh, doing a John O'Groats to Land End, Land's End shoot, um, which was a it was a big job. It was just shy of a, a month long um, producing content along the way, and it was um, yeah, lucky to sort of have that before all of the local restrictions and started coming in um, again. So. Uh, yeah, I was sort of blessed by that. There were some other smaller jobs um, after that. Um, and then really just I've sort of been lucky to, to be in, in the Pennines. Uh, so a lot of the time just getting out for walks with family and spend qu quite a lot of time standing in a river uh, fly fishing, uh, <laughs> which luckily we've been allowed to do under, the, you know, with the rules of the restrictions. And, um, that's been allowed. So just sort of filling up the time doing trying to get outdoors as much as possible essentially and try and speaking to brands about getting ideas in the pipeline that are just ready to go when we're allowed again yeah you you mentioned you you live in a van is that what you said like do you still live in the van now and you just yeah well under lockdown i'm staying with my sister at the moment and uh she lives in a lovely little town called slowitz which is near Huddersfield, and we've got the the pennines sort of on the doorstep which is incredibly lucky um, there's the option of staying in the van, it's not illegal to do so, um, but you, I think that you just sort of, uh, you've got to um, consider the, obviously the transmission of the virus and the, the nature of living in a van means that you can't store as much shopping at a time, so you need to do that more regularly. Uh, people don't want you staying necessarily um uh, in the same place for some time near their homes and campsites aren't open at the moment so it's sort of um, for all things I know people who are doing it and they're not finding it particularly easy and I think obviously considering like I said the transmission is better to yeah. stay somewhere um, in bricks and mortar and that I'm, I'm lucky to um, have a place at my sister's to do that. How do you find like living in a van when you're able to I feel like van life is it's quite a new thing I've come to terms with like YouTube videos and stuff but how do you find it yeah like I think it, it's funny because you, you see um it's, it's all hashtag van life isn't it and you see all yeah. uh, wonderful pictures of people in these epic places and they're always you know somehow looking really smart and looking out over this epic view where you're definitely not allowed to spend the night in your van generally um and it sort of gives this idea that that's the way that it goes generally when in reality it's actually not you get to have those experiences but there's a much less sort of glamorous side to it um there's there's um obviously like the fact that you need to be finding places to stay um on on a daily basis which isn't always easy depending on where you are um and it's like there's there's positive there's like huge huge benefits to doing it financial benefits um you know the adventures that you get to go on you can wake up with adventure like on your doorstep um and yeah like that, all of that side is incredibly valuable 
just not that just doesn't the other side of it just doesn't sell uh, you know that story doesn't sell any products or anything or it doesn't sell it doesn't make you want to click to follow somebody on instagram or whatever so there's the whole side of it that's just sort of neglected that does actually exist and it's sort of like a balance and i do it because um the benefits outweigh uh, the, the cons essentially uh, but there are both and i think it's i personally think that it's just important for people to realize that when they're considering it because i know that a lot more people are looking at it um, yeah it's a lifestyle option um and if, if yeah just to people just need to know that it's not just those epic pictures you know over that view and um yeah there's there's, there's more to consider yeah than that but it is something that i would recommend as a lifestyle option Especially you've got something to fall back on, like now you've seen you're living with your sister, especially with the pandemic, but do you think it's worth it anyway, especially with the job you're in? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it, it, because a lot of it's working away in, in what we're doing, uh, when I had my, I did have my own house and there was the mortgage every month that needed to be paid on that. And if I went away for a month, then I'd, the cost of being away for the month and the cost of the uh, mortgage for a month whereas now if I go away somewhere it's essentially the same cost of living um, as if I was at home I've got um, a place where places where I can leave the van um, so yeah I mean for the lifestyle and the job that I've got it makes it easier because it doesn't have there's not outgoings um, that are essentially being spent on something that I'm not using when I'm away so it yeah. does sort of facilitate a lot more freedom financially basically which is which was essentially was why why it was done it was to free up time it's really interesting yeah especially with what you're in as well um we're getting to some easier questions now also some deep questions do you guys have any like hobbies like sports that you do i assume you do you're adventurous so <laughs> um yeah i mean as i said earlier i do a lot of cycling um so that's kind of my main hobby really but um yeah, cycling, like running, anything outdoorsy, really. In the, in the summertime, I quite like, you know, wild swimming. We've got some sort of quite nice rivers and, and um, um, coastline, you know, where I'm not far from Sussex and places like that. And there's some beautiful places. And, and you know, I'm an hour away from Suffolk um, and there's some beautiful beaches up there. So I don't like a lot of sea swimming and stuff like that in the summer. But yeah, generally, my, my main hobby is, um, is cycling, really. Um, yeah, I just whenever I can, I can I'll get out. I've got like mount, mountain bike and road bikes and stuff like that. Um, I love it. That's just really good um, way for me just to kind of decompress and, and just relax. Um, yeah, I love it. I love exploring. You know, to me, to me, even just going out cycling, I quite often. I mean, everyone cycles in different ways. You know, some people like sometimes I plan a route out on, on using using the commute app or something like that, but. I'll quite often, I'll go cycling somewhere. It might only be like an hour and a half away on, on my bike, but I'll cycle through places that I've never driven through, you know, never been through before. And it, even though they're just they're not anything spectacular, you know, like just nice little villages, it, I just find it quite an adventurous thing to do just to explore on the bike. So, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, we've got dogs, we've got a box of dogs, we've got three, three boxes, so... Um, they take up a lot of time. <laughs> we're doing dog walks every day. Um, and I love the dogs. So, yeah, out, outdoorsy stuff, really. Yeah. Yeah, so it's similar uh, here. Um, obviously, outdoors related, but 
mainly like my, my main passion outside of my work is fly fishing and I spend a, a lot of time doing that um, I find it incredibly cathartic you're sort of like really immersed in nature when you're doing it um, from sort of studying what's going to be happening with the weather what's happening with the river levels moon cycles um, you know how the rain up the valley is going to affect the fishing later in the day and you, sort of from the, the from the day before when you're looking at everything and sort of planning your day ahead down to actually standing literally in the river um, <laughs> and, and watching you know the kingfishers going past and, and and you're sort of really in tune with the flow of the river and everything like it's just uh, yeah for, like for me there's that's sort of the 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 main thing that I do like outside of work to, that um, I really find sort of really good for my mental health and again similar to what I was saying with the with the filming stuff like you, you you're doing you're essentially kind of like really really tuned into what you're doing all day long um, and yeah that, that, that's it I do like a bit of cycling for sort of the physical health side of things but I think the mental health benefits of um fly fishing and you know other forms of fishing that I don't do myself but other people do you know there's not anybody that that does it that doesn't really really appreciate the mental health benefits that you get from it yeah you've kind of taken on to the next question because I was just about to ask you how you think they like sports has benefited you so I don't care if you want to answer how cycling's kind of benefit you mentally and physically yeah I think cycling's more I, I mean it does obviously benefit me mentally as well um um, but I think it's more cycling's more of a physical thing for me. I just I just get a buzz out of, of, of you know, um, say if I go out for like 60, 70 mile rides, you know, out for like four or five hours, and I just feel like I've really achieved something. Um, and obviously, you just you're feeling nice and relaxed, and, and um, you know, it's just it's good for you physically and mentally. But funny enough, running for me, trail running, I find. Because I think with cycling, you have to be on your game. That's the thing. When you're, when you're road cycling, you, you're aware of there's traffic. And obviously on a road bike, you're going fairly fast. So you, you know that if you hit a pothole or lapped in concentration, you can, you can like, quite easily have a bad accident. So um, I think you kind of, you don't, you relax, but not in the same way as when I'm, when I'm trail running. I've got some, some quite nice trails and woodlands up near me. Um, I just, you obviously, it's not dangerous, you know. Yeah. Um, the worst you're going to do is to slip over and sprain your ankle or something. But I can just, when I run, um, I quite often run with some, with headphones on. Um, and I, I, I like, that's one of my other kind of hobbies, really. I'm, it's funny, Gab and I have got to share a really similar interest in um, tasting music, like um, sort of dance music, electronic music. So I'll just put on some kind of quite uplifting or kind of, stuff that kind of suits running and I'm just once once I've got my music on and I'm, I'm running in the trails I just switch off and it's just yeah I find that so relaxing you know and, and I, I can run for like a couple of hours and just yeah I, I feel so good afterwards and it's that's a good way for me to relax because I'm just it's almost like I'm in automatic you know whereas when I'm yeah. cycling you can't when, when you're cycling you can't really kind of switch off because <laughs> you end up in all sorts of trouble so yeah I think running running for me is, is, is one that's really good for like my mental health I think yeah yeah it's funny you say that um me and my friend Neve we were actually in Krakow 
and we hired bikes for the day and we were going around this park. I, if you've been to Krakow, you know that the centre is actually surrounded by a park and it kind of goes in a loop. So we were just cycling around and because it was in a loop, we weren't really thinking of where we need to go anywhere. So we were just kind of taking in the scenery and Neva's cycled in front of me and all of a sudden I just see her clip the back of this old lady that was walking in front of her and they just both Neve just comes off the bike on the floor luckily they were okay but that was a moment where we were like okay um we need to actually kind of look at where we're going now instead of just like looking at the park so yeah learned that the hard way <laughs> she's gonna kill me that I've said that now on the podcast but yeah now we know <laughs> exactly yeah I think for me cycling <coughs> excuse me like like Gav said about um like when you're prepping for his fishing stuff and things like that, I really, I really enjoy it. Um, say for instance, I'm going to do like a big ride, go out and do a ride all day. Then obviously I need to, I need to kind of plan a route out, you know, um, and then um, kind of get all my kit ready, you know, like spares on the bike, make sure the bike's all um, fine and then take enough food and stuff like that. And it's kind of, I find that quite cathartic. That's you know when I, when the time's right for me to go. You know when I've, I've chosen a time during the week to to go for a big ride. Um, I really enjoy the prep side of it and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I quite like all that. What about you, Isaac? Because you obviously you do trail running as well. You started doing that and cycling. So how do you oh, think they benefit you? I, I I've done a fair done a fair few sports. Um, yeah, I've done. I've been doing running for about five years or so. Um, swimming, though, is 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 my main sport, and that is where I get my. That's my favourite sport. Uh, I'm probably going to get kicked off the team now. Um, but <laughs> swimming is my swimming is my favourite sport because I like sports where you're a bit more in control, um, where there's not other elements around you that. This is for mental health, right? I like sports for men. If I want to improve my mental health or. I want to be in control, knowing that I'm in a safe place. And I find like, you know, fly fishing, for instance, I've done fly fishing uh, with my dad. You're, you're, you're more in control. You, there's less elements that can hit you, knock you out, even less, less to worry about. With cycling, I, I'm with Kev. You're, you're worried about other people in cars. You're worried about potholes that you're not going to come across. A little bit of trail running, I get that sort of feel about the rabbit hole. I've had a rabbit hole incident. And um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I find in swimming, it, I find yeah. it a lot easier. It just feels a bit more relaxing um, and less worry. And plus you're a bit more like, you have to really focus on the swimming only and it just clears your mind for everything. Because if you don't, you, you start drowning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite good that way. Um, yeah, that's my, my fave. Um, obviously we're with you with the blokes and sports team so we want to promote green spaces. And with your job, this is the perfect question, I think. But how do you think your jobs have changed how you view green spaces, especially around the UK when you mentioned the Highlands and stuff? Um, yeah, it, it does make you more aware. I think, you know, we're, we're lucky enough that we, we get to travel around quite a lot and, um, you know, you get to see, yeah, I mean, I think you get to see um, the effects that, people do have on it's, it's a funny it's, a, it's it's an interesting subject actually i think um to the sort of green spaces and, and being people the importance obviously it's important for people to be in green spaces and it's good for your mental health but then there's the side of it where you know like for instance i've been 
um, to the Lake District in the summertime quite a few times and the amount of people that are, that are just descending there, you know, to all, all, you know, they're all, you know, you can't, you can't, um, what they're doing is, is right, um, but, and it's not their fault that there's loads of other people turning up, but, you know, that's the, that is the trouble. I think maybe, maybe more in this country where um, it is a small island, essentially, um, and the green spaces in this country, I think, are more important, um, are really important to kind of make sure that they don't get too many people and they're not encroached on by um, housing developments and stuff like that, because, you know, once, once they're gone, then uh, then it's, it's not a good thing. But yeah, it's, 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 it is a tricky one because you want people people to use the, the national parks and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, I mean, I know for a fact that the, the, the national parks, they have tr trouble trying to maintain the, 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 the trails and stuff, the tracks up the mountains because the amount that the football on them are just constantly wearing them down and they're having to repair. And they even get um, people in just to kind of help out um, you know, um, I can't remember the word now. But, um, yeah, there's, yeah, you, you do when when you're out and about in these kind of places, it, it makes you realise how important they are, but also that we have to respect them. I think you know, you see, it really annoys me when you see rubbish. You know, like people when they're out hiking, leaving trash around just winds me up. You know, it's just terrible. You just feel like why you're obviously in this place for a reason you're enjoying it that's the reason that you you chose to walk up this hill or, or whatnot so why are you leaving rubbish there you know so yeah it does make you aware of, of um it highlights um, issues that's for sure when you when yeah. yeah i mean for me working in the sort of environments that we do obviously just spending quite a lot of time there and speaking to people that are working in those environments and living in those environments and and I think that one of the things that's kind of come out for me is, is that there's this sort of like ongoing conversation about should there be all of these you know that what can we do about limiting the amount of people that are causing damage to the fells and what have you um and I think it's like uh it's a really difficult one because I think what we need to understand first is that none of those natural environments are actually, or, or barely any in the UK are, are actually what they were originally. So say for instance, the Lake District, everybody lo loves the look of the mountains, that sort of bleak and, and you know, the heather and the long grass and what, and what have you everywhere. That looks like that because, because of what humans have already done and what we've been doing for hundreds of years with sort of farming sheep up there. Yeah. Uh, so it should be rainforest, for instance. The Lake District shouldn't look anything like what it looks like at the moment. And so I think we've got to understand that we've been having a huge impact everywhere that we go um, and that that's not going to change. And then so it's really, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly difficult and there's got to be some really creative ideas to, to, to sort of, we've got to come up with that means that we can maintain a level of sort of wildness or, or, and, and get you know rewilding as well while yeah. still accommodating people's desire to go to these places because you've got the protection of the green space and then you've got well uh, the the benefits that you get of the mental health you know the mental health benefits that you actually get from from being there and it's it's difficult to you want to get more people to go there but you want to protect it more and it's just like yeah. how do we um do both essentially yeah 
that's you know just through sort of meeting people in these environments and seeing different people's like opinions um uh, that's something that i've learned basically being on these jobs and speaking to local people and different people's concerns and things and it's i don't know i don't have the answers personally it's yeah. just i think it's like an ongoing thing and you know it's um i'm hoping that during this project it's one of the uh reasons that i found it really interesting when kev contacted me um when he explained that it was sort of coming from the mental health side of things and sort of looking at the protection of green spaces i was like oh look, yeah that's actually really interesting because it's something that i real that is a, like a sort of balancing act and i'm hoping that you know we can learn some stuff along the way by speaking to the people in the national parks and stuff you know like the things that we've got planned um that'll maybe come up with some ideas you know um and, and yeah potential solutions it's funny yeah. that you say we that have a, oh, oh go on <laughs> we've got a podcast of the woodland trust up in uh lake trossets and uh, they, they, they have got um, some views on, on this um, that might be interesting to listen to later. Right. It's funny what you say about um, just people like, gathering at national parks, because I'd consider myself like a local to Penavan, I can see out my window. So when the lockdown hit and it snowed, first of all, I didn't know why people who didn't have the proper hiking gear would want to hike up a mountain in this blizzard, but they actually had to call in um, like the local police to police it all because so many people were just going up in a van. And especially in the summer, you see all of us like locals, we get quite angry because of the amount of people that just like go to this place. And there's only like enough car parking space, like 20 cars. And then the road up there, you can just see all these cars. And then the mountain's just full of people. And it kind of, there used to be so many sheep a van and now there is none and it just completely takes away from it it's like it's nice that people want to be out and climbing up I think Penavan is such a, a big thing in South Wales as well that people just I think they think that's soon because they can go for a walk sometimes but um it's just kind of annoying to see how many people can just rush there as soon as it's like really warm and stuff and it just like completely ruins this the mountains really I think in my eyes yeah yeah, we're extremely right. lucky in this country yeah. to be able to go to these places like in other yeah. countries like us when i did a tour around the us um the grand canyon you have to book to go into that national park you, you know you, you there's they have ticketing because they know that it's such a treasured place this could happen in this country where we start having to have booking and restrictions and stuff like this barriers around these places and um, just to preserve them to, to where they are that's, that, that's something that I've seen in other countries, which maybe we, we could be walking ourselves towards. Um, coming at some point. Yeah, interesting. Um, you mentioned it briefly about like mental health. I'm just wondering if you feel comfortable, you don't have to. Um, have you ever had any mental health struggles in the past or? Um, yeah, yeah. Um... I think everyone does to a point, you know, to various degrees. I think, I've, you know, I've, I've, the, the whole mental health thing, I think the human psyche, the human, the human brain, the chemicals in it, in your brain, I think uh, you, you, everyone has ups and downs, you know. Um, but then if, if you've got things like external things that affect you, like financial problems or, you know, um, relationship problems or anything like that you know work problems you know things and especially this day and age you know there's there's always so much going on and social media and 
this, that, and the other. You know, it's, I think it's quite easy to, at some points in your life, for, for those things to just kind of like take over. And, and depending on the sort of person you are, I mean, I think there's probably, there's probably more people with mental health problems. Some people just maybe just are too proud to admit it, you know? And yeah. some people might just think that they're just, you know, they haven't got so much of a mental health issues, but they're, they're like, oh, why am I always moody all the time, you know? But that, that probably is, they have got, a, you know, a mental health issue, you know, something kind of more wrong than they think, which, um, yeah, I mean, I've had I've had times where things have got on top of me and you know been um, pretty down for, not just for days for, for for quite a long period of time you know um, uh, so yeah but I mean in the last couple of years it's been really good um, so things are going pretty well I mean like I, I think exercise does help and stuff like that but um, yeah you know I mean. I think, I think we all get it at some points, but some it depends on your situation, doesn't it? No. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, do you find that going out and doing exercise and being in green spaces helps you? Do you think that's like how what helps you the most? Or yeah, I think even just you know, like you can you can be stressed out with with stuff, and, and maybe you haven't had the time to do anything like that for like a, a couple of weeks. You've just been busy doing this, that, and the other. And I think maybe if you if, if you let that, that sort of build up where you're kind of like stressed out, but maybe not, you know, you you're not depressed. But then yeah. if something else happens to to layer that on, you know, if something kind of bad happens or you know, I don't know, anything can happen. And then that's what then spirals the whole thing down into into a state of, of, of like depression, you know? Yeah. Um, and if if you can't get out um and, and kind of let steam off, you know, then, um, you know, you, you kind of, that, that's what can happen, but it, de it definitely helps. You know, I find that I'm, I'm, if I'm stressed out and getting a bit down, I'll go for a run or something like that. And I'll, I'll definitely feel better afterwards, you know? Yeah. I don't know, Gav, if you feel comfortable, if you've yeah, had any yeah, yeah. problems or. It's fine, yeah. I mean, I, I think that what's coming out more and more and what I, I, do sort of as time goes on understand more myself um is for me and i think for a lot of people like your mental health is similar to, to your physical health and if you don't spend time looking after it then it will go sort of in the in the wrong direction um it has done uh, on various occasions for me um and it it's like being outdoors and obviously getting into sort of green environments and pushing yourself physically can have like huge, huge um, positive effects. Um, like I, I think that it's sometimes I wonder like, well, what is it the chicken and the egg? Like it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. It's like, yeah, that does give you those positive benefits. But if you are at a sort of like really sort of low, it's how are you getting the enthusiasm to go and do that thing which you know will be good when it actually happens but when you are actually in some sort of like deep depression it is difficult to sort of um to find the motivation to do that and and for me it, it sort of um uh, it's really important to have sort of like other people as well that also want to do those things and so if i feel that that's something that i'm sort of falling into it might be time you know to to not be away in the van 
alone and sort of feeling the, the loneliness, which is one of the sides yeah. of the van life sort of thing that, that that's the more negative side. You know, it might be time to sort of mix with, you know, some friends and some family and people who've got that motivation to go out and, you know, and then and sort of recharge that yourself essentially with with um with the help you know of some people and i think it's it's fine to um to need help sometimes uh, from people and i think that a lot of people are you know afraid to sort of ask for it or to admit that they're having problems or that's what they're doing um so yeah i mean i think that we all have the you know, i think everybody has mental health don't they Everybody, yeah some, some like some people who are ultra athletes they they happen to have uh, good mental health for, uh, like a lot of the time um and i think it just you know the same as physical health it varies for for everybody and that there are things that you need to do on an ongoing basis in order to maintain it yeah i always find it really interesting when you look at endurance athletes because obviously a huge part of being an endurance athlete is you've got to have a really strong mental health i assume have you seen that with like people you filmed before like how do you think they they come across different to I don't know how a, a non-endurance athlete would come across. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I think you know, Gab and I have worked with with quite a few um, endurance athletes, um, and I think the ones that are the, at the at the at the top of their game, the ones that are able to 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 do these like insane like. So, for instance, like Sean Conway, you know, he was he, he did he cycled for 24 days, and he was averaging about 160 miles a day. I mean, some some days he was doing nearly 200 miles in a day, um, and to, to to have the mental ability and just frame of mind to just keep going like that is just I mean, you know, you, I think you can you obviously can train yourself to do something like that, but I think. Whereas, you know, some people were born with various talents, you know, you might be, be able to play uh, the, the piano and be a uh, violinist or some, some incredible thing like that. And you're kind of born with this talent. Um, and I think maybe some, I'm, I'm sure, maybe I'm wrong, but some of the endurance athletes I've worked with, is today, they're born with this almost like unbelievably stubborn personality <laughs> where they, there's nothing matters. They just focus on... I just you know, and obviously the physical stuff's hard as well. But I, th I think the, the mental side of frame of mind and the mental side of doing some of these endurance challenges is is way um, outweighs the physical side. You know, um, yeah. So I think someone could be really really fit, but maybe they just couldn't do these endurance challenges because yeah, it's just some of them are mind boggling. You know, the, the 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 guys that cycled around the Andes, you know, that was. You know, like a thousand miles around rough tracks, really high up, like rubbish things to eat, hardly any sleep, and they just keep going. So yeah, there's there's definitely a certain type of person um, that, 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 that kind of does these sort of things. Yeah, we need to get someone on the podcast. I'd love to interview someone like that. We need to work on that, Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got Sean Conway coming up soon. Um, so that'll be a good interview. That's exciting, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I can definitely, I, I you know, I, I'm not going to dig myself up here, but I've done four days straight rowing on an indoor rowing machine indoors. And I mean, that you rode thing, the Atlantic. Rode the Atlantic, <laughs> and I would say that entire thing was 80% mind, and it was just a game. It's a game that you play with yourself. Your body 
you you can eventually get to a point where you're just telling your body to carry on and your head is in charge and it is some people think that oh yeah my arms are hurting my arms are i'm going to stop and that's that's the usual population and then the the, the, the endurance athlete will say no 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 your body's telling you that but you can turn it around and change it and you can carry on and then you you switch on and then you're you realize you've got like another 100 miles in the tank because you're not listening you, you can stop the, the listening between the body and the mind and it's incredible like the games you can play with yourself <laughs> and uh it's all, about, it's all about smiling as well um as well like a lot of things is you get a little bit of an ache a twinge of pain and then the moment you go oh, oh and you start going down and that, that that can be a game ender for most people yeah an endurance athlete they yeah. smile at pain <laughs> they will smile when they're in in pain because they know Unless it's serious pain, like you feel like you're going to tear a muscle or something, but they know that, like this is this is now the mind the mind games. This is how I'm. If I'm going to go any further, I need to now change my mindset to positive. This yeah. is where well, it's, where it begins. Say, that happened um, on day one on the other. Yeah, one one of the sayings I've heard is pain is temporary. Um, what is it? The world records forever or something like that. You know. Um, yeah. I think well, yeah. Pain... Someone else. <laughs> Yeah. World's first or forever. Pain is temporary, world's first forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep reminding you that when we're cycling <laughs> on water. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, just last question then, just to finish up. Um, if you can, tell us, have you got any big future, um, future adventures planned? Now that the world might be opening up again? Yeah, yeah, I've got plenty on. So I spent a lot of last year in the lockdown planning stuff and I've got a, a film that I've, that's been in the pipe for for a few years actually it's um, like this trail running historical trail running film up in the highlands that's going to be <coughs> um, Gab's, Gab's going to be one of the crew on that um, so I'm hoping to bring that to life fairly soon but I've got quite a lot of cycling um, adventures on this year um, that, I've, that I've already sort of planned out um, like cycling film trips um, and then obviously the, the, this, this Isaac, the blokes on spokesman is going to be epic. Can't wait for that. Um, so there, there, there's plenty. There's plenty on. Um, all, I'm always, uh, you know, kind of in the planning stage, and you know that's a big part of it. But yeah, there's there's lots to come. I mean, obviously the lockdowns slowed things down, and it's made it quite tricky. Um, and some of the some trips, film trips and things that I did have have just now just cancelled. I actually had a really big one and Gab was going to be on this as well. There's a chap that's supposed to cycle from the UK to Tokyo. Um, but that's, um, and it was for quite a big brand and because of, because of the, um, the, the, the virus and stuff like that, they've just kind of pulled out. So they're looking at doing something. Well, that, they, they, they haven't pulled out fully, but they're, they're looking at maybe doing something smaller just in the UK, but they've kind of gone back to the drawing board. But yeah, there's, there's, there's always plenty on. So um, yeah, I'm quite excited about um, stuff coming up. Yeah, yeah. Exciting times, yeah. Well, you go. Yeah, uh, there's obviously with the current situation, like literally, well, almost everything's kind of completely um, on hold. And so it's sort of, I think that, probably the first big big thing that comes up is going to be when we're able to travel uh, locally and obviously working with you guys for this John of Grotts Land's End trip uh, which uh, I, I think that you, you can do all of these things abroad and they're all um, you know 
make some really good memories. Uh, but I've done a John O'Groats to Land's End trip before, and it's among the best things that I've done, sort of job-wise. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And then once we can get abroad, we've got some things in the Alps, and we've got something where it looks like we're going to be going um, paragliding in the Alps. And I've got a shoot from one of the paragliders for like two other guys doing it. And um, so, I mean, obviously that's like a it's going to be absolutely incredible but again you know it's just changing all of the time it just depends whether we can whether we can get into the French Alps or we need to change locations and, and what have you um so yeah I, I think that everything's it's going to be looking more local isn't it and in, in yeah. general and I don't know I'm sort of interested to see how we're going to come out of this when obviously one of the, the really big focus for a lot of brands that are paying for stuff at the moment is sustainability and then you've got the fact that international travel is really difficult because of because of COVID. And like, I, I wonder whether things are actually going to return back to the way they were, or whether by the time COVID's over and everybody started doing things more locally, that it, that work will sort of become more local to particular areas. Like, it'd be nice, you know, if we would just said, yeah, as soon as it lifts, we're going to be back in Peru and we're going to be in Laos and and what have you. But I'd just yeah, we'll we'll see sort of like how it how it pans out um but i mean to to have what we've got here on our doorstep and obviously the, the what we're what we're doing from john across to land's end is a, a spectacular thing uh, yeah that we're doing locally yeah yeah exciting stuff so just to finish up then where can our listeners find you anything you've got coming up soon that you'd like to promote or anything um so um I'm on Instagram a lot, it's quite active on that. So it's at Skyrise underscore productions. And then my website's um, www.skyriseproductions.co.uk. So that's kind of the main places to sort of find me online, really. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've got some cycling stuff coming up fairly soon. So if you, you know, look out for that. I'm, I'm working with a couple of quite big um, cycling brands. Um, so that's the sort of my, my, my immediate stuff. Um, so that's where I'll be quite active on doing it sort of fairly soon. So, uh, yeah. Link yeah. in the description so people can find you easier. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, similar, my, my website um, is the same as my um, Instagram handle, which is Osprey Imagery. Um, so you can find my work there. There's regular stuff uploaded onto Instagram, um, essentially mostly now sort of previous expeditions where we haven't had the chance to put to put everything out um, at the time. So working through that, that sort of content that I've got. Uh, I've also got an ongoing article series in Cyclist Magazine. Uh, we're on Article 4 at the moment of 13. So for every, you know, for 13 consecutive issues, um, there is um, uh, a story that which recounts each day of the John O'Groats to Land's End trip. And we're on day four at the moment. So you can pick that up uh, in shops now or, you know, subscribe to, to get the subsequent issues. Um, yeah, and I think everybody's got a lot of time on their hands at the moment. Get yourself on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Uh, do a search for Europe or Bust, which is a film uh, that Kev and I, have both produced uh, for Sean Conway, which is on there at the moment, which, um, yeah, is that uh, yeah, we, we covered uh, Sean's world record breaking attempt at cycling across Europe. So if you've got, I think it's an hour and 15 or something, if you've got that on your hands, then yeah, get yourself onto Amazon and check that out too. I had no idea that was you guys, so I'll definitely be looking at that now. Yeah. <laughs> 
I can vouch for it. I w- I've watched it four times now. You know, <laughs> just obviously a uh, massive fan. And uh, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome film. Um, just, just get and watch it. Go watch it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. This is really interesting. It's maybe a bit longer than an hour now, but I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it. So thank you so much for coming on, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been really interesting. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. To listen to other Pedal for Park podcasts, sponsor us, or find out more, please visit our website, pedalforparks.co.uk. The four is a number four. Make sure you give us a like and a follow of this podcast wherever you've listened to it. It makes a huge difference in getting our message out there. We're also very active on social media channels too. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is Pedal4Parks and that is a number four as well in, in the middle there. This is where we post more content like this. So once again, thank you and stay tuned.